Welcome to Globally Speaking, a podcast about connecting with global audiences. Globally Speaking is designed to explore the challenges involved in breaking down language and communication barriers. Our hosts and guests, thought leaders and industry experts, discuss their experiences on a range of topics relating to content, communication and customer engagement. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, everyone. And welcome to this new episode of the Globally Speaking podcast. My name is Marine Esquenet. I am RWS's social media manager, and I will be your host for today's episode of the second season of our podcast. How does a famous household brand ensure that it consistently projects a strong brand image on the global stage? You might think that you need to translate all of your content and particularly your product names into local languages, but not always. Take IKEA as an example. The company's products are listed in Swedish across many of its foreign language websites. We wanted to know more. To do so, today we're delighted to welcome Anna Golubeva, who is multilingual communication and localization specialist at IKEA. Hello, Anna, and a warm welcome to the Globally Speaking podcast. We're really happy to have you here today, and we wanted to thank you for taking the time to answer our questions. Now, we have one very important one for you, and I am sure that All of our listeners can't wait to hear your answer, but we'll keep this one for the end of the interview. Could you maybe start with telling us a bit more about yourself? How how long have you been at IKEA? What does your role mean? And what motivates you in the work you do? Yes. Uh, hello, Marine, and hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to uh, to be invited uh, for to this podcast, Globally Speaking podcast. And uh, of course, I'm happy to share uh, different insights um, about IKEA and how we work with the brand, the languages and um, the marketing strategy. So um, about myself, um, I'm uh, representing, of course, IKEA brand, uh, but a particular part of it, uh, of course, as you might know or maybe not know, IKEA is one brand, but many companies. So I'm representing uh, the franchisor uh, division of IKEA, which is called IntraKia Systems. And um, our base is in the Netherlands, in Delft. Um, so I'm uh, working uh, here as a multi-language uh, and localization specialist, uh, meaning that um, I'm responsible to set, it, uh, to set up the processes, uh, to engage with different content owners, um, to engage with the, uh, our localization network that we have in the markets and secure that we um, have a structured way uh, or approach uh, to how we handle multi-language communication. And uh, I'm quite loyal to IKEA. I've been working for IKEA more than, um, well, more than 15 years. Um, oh, okay. I started in retail. Uh, yes, so it's it feels like when you reflect on it, it's quite many years. <laughs> um, yeah, so I started in retail, which was quite an interesting experience. Um, and um, yeah, it's completely different environment also compared to, for example, working with a franchisor. Different uh, goals and different speed, of course. Um, I worked in sales and marketing. Uh, worked quite for quite some time with the IKEA catalog, which unfortunately is not here with us anymore. Uh, but we will see what will be, uh, how to say, the next generation of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, yeah, so that is uh, that has been one, one big part of my assignment. And also, of course, translation and localization was part of it. 
But since a few years, I was also involved in um, e-learning and um, different kind of knowledge development uh, at uh, here at IKEA Franchisor. And most recently, implementing uh, the program of, um, yeah, you could say uh, translation management or language management program at the franchisor, um, which included, of course, uh, the technology part, but also an exciting part, which is machine translation. Um, So, uh, yeah, so that's um, in short uh, about myself. All right. Thank you. And maybe could you tell us more? Can we go a little, a little deeper, sorry, in, you know, your internal translation process? Because it seems to cover a lot, but maybe can you tell us a bit more about what your biggest localization needs are? Have you encountered any difficulties with particular continents, areas or countries uh, regarding localization? Yes, it's a very interesting question. Um, of course, as I mentioned, uh, we have multiple different companies within IKEA. And um, by that, I mean global companies, but also, of course, different franchisees that we work with. So we have one big franchisee, Inca Group, maybe you are also familiar. We have also a global language services team, which is Mm -hmm. um, located there, but they are supporting IKEA globally, let's say. Uh, But then we have all these different uh, other franchisees that are located in um, different parts of the world. Uh, So ranging from Middle East countries to Asia and most recently to South America, which is quite a new continent for us. Uh, We've opened uh, Chile as the first market and now soon opening um, IKEA Colombia. And uh, after that, there will be coming IKEA Peru. So that is very exciting, of course, um, for us. And uh, as you can imagine, we have also uh, in that kind of landscape, we have multiple different uh, types of content that we translate. Of course, there is a lot customer facing. Of course, you know, the IKEA app. Uh, like the shoppable app that you use to Mm -hmm. just go online and shop for products, our website, different kind of marketing communication. So that is maybe what you are familiar with as a a customer. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then, of course, um, like let's say in behind the scenes, we also have a lot of uh, content that is aimed at our co-workers. And that's where I'm involved uh, quite a lot. Um, So basically here we are talking about, um, like I said, e-learning is quite a big part of what we produce. Uh, Also, different kind of knowledge base. Um, Mm -hmm. So you could uh, imagine kind of a Wikipedia, but then for IKEA. So different kind of guidelines, uh, how to do certain things, how you apply certain strategies in the markets. So um, this, of course, poses quite a big challenge, uh, how to navigate in this landscape and how to make sure that we um, have a, a, a centralized approach uh, to localization and to translation. So I would say that is one of the big challenges that we have um, because we want to be centralized to ensure that the efficiencies in the process and not only that, but also to create this kind of consistency because, of course, we are as intra systems have mm-hmm. the responsibility for the IKEA brand. Uh, of course. So to, yeah. to make sure that it's consistent across those different franchisees and markets. So, for example, if you as a customer would be traveling to uh, Egypt and then uh, you will be traveling to China and then you will be traveling to Chile and if you enter IKEA store, it looks familiar. It looks it the does. same. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's recognizable. So. Yeah. 
Um, so that is, I think, uh, yeah, I would say also another challenge. Okay, how can we create this consistency? And um, still, yeah. I, I guess also still look, you know, make it locally relevant. Uh, people mm -hmm. from Egypt are not going to have the same expectations about, you know, like a household shop. But you still need to keep it. What really fascinates me basically is the mix between, you know, making it local and relevant for everyone who's going to enter there and they need to feel comfortable with it, but also having it as a brand image globally, you know. Uh, but we'll mm -hmm. go a bit deeper in this. Um, maybe I just have one more or two, actually, two more questions before that. I wanted to ask you about the, um, what factors did IKEA consider when deciding not to translate all of its content, and I'm thinking about product names, for example, into local languages, because this also plays a big role in having this consistent brand image. Yes, uh, that's a very interesting part of IKEA, which, uh, yeah, you if, if you explore it, uh, you can dig a bit deeper into that. But uh, this is actually part of our uh, brand identity and um, product names uh, have, have always been uh, yeah, quite, quite a kind of a, a historical heritage that we have. And uh, as you know, maybe uh, that those names are created uh, yeah. by certain teams in our one of our global divisions in Sweden. And that's, uh, yeah, it's quite some work because it's also um, each time there is a new category appears or uh, there is a new collection uh, we need to come up with a new name so exactly, <laughs> I don't know yeah. if, if there will be a moment when we'll how run many, out. Yeah. <laughs> how long can you last <laughs> exactly so I think uh, sometimes they also use some Danish names uh, not oh, only okay. Swedish, Interesting. but mostly it is Swedish names and for example the names of lakes Uh, the names of rivers or the names of cities that maybe you recognize if you travel to Sweden and you end mm -hmm. up in Klippan, which is actually a sofa. So, so it's, there are even <laughs> jokes about uh, um, that uh, actually a toilet brush is actually a lake, but it's not only a toilet brush. So, oh, this is so really funny. Really, um, the, this shows actually how popular those names can become and yeah. uh, that people can just kind of communicate with those names without even maybe realizing that there is something standing behind if you are not from Sweden. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the purpose to really keep them authentic and mm -hmm. uh, representing the, the IKEA brand, which has its roots in Sweden, of course. Mm -hmm. So this uh, Swedishness, as we call it, Uh, kind of the, the Swedish heritage um, is uh, is a very kind of respectable part of the brand, and we this also w w one of the aspects that actually helps us to to stay true to our origins and to at, at the same time being also um, kind of arousing this curiosity around those names, uh, which can exactly. also sound sometimes funny, sometimes difficult. In yeah. different languages, so yeah. So I would say it's quite, uh, yeah, it's quite an interesting part of uh, of our. It's an interesting part. Yeah, it's fascinating because it's sometimes hard to pronounce, you know, for people that are yeah. not from um, Nordic countries. So it's an interesting choice. But um, I, I was wondering, do they all have a meaning, or sometimes are they just made up, or do they actually all mean something? I think majority actually have the meaning. Have a like meeting. I said, yeah, maybe meaning, cities, sorry. rivers could be different other names, yeah. uh, or even names of people. I think sometimes, but sometimes, as I also was talking to some of my Swedish colleagues, some names 
are kind of made up. So okay. maybe there are two words that kind of make sense to put together, but it's actually not an, an existing word. A real word. word. It's a play yes. on word kind of thing. Exactly. So maybe that's kind of the way forward when, when you run out of names, you kind yeah. of... <laughs> I, like the next, uh, you know, the next strategy for the next collection. <laughs> yeah. um, what, that's for like, what's for sure is that uh, a lot of people must Google like the, the lake, the name of the lake once uh, an IKEA, you know, collection has been launched. That's for sure. I'm sure the lake the lake gets a bit more famous. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had another one actually in the same, you know, along the same lines. I remember I was listening to Spotify in Germany, so in German, mm -hmm. and I heard an ad for, for IKEA in German, but the person who was talking had a Swedish accent. Can you maybe describe the role of language in IKEA's global marketing strategy and how it contributes? I mean, I guess it goes back to the same point, but Like it was interesting to see it was as far as the accent. It was pushed, you know, to the to the accent as well. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that's another part of um, of the identity. You could say it's not only, of course, written text, uh, which is normally what comes first to mind. Exactly. Uh, visuals, uh, of course, IKEA is a very visual company, and then, but it's also actually sound. So that's actually quite a good example of how we work with sound in, in terms of also representing our identity. And also in our tone of voice, we have something uh, where one of the characteristics is actually to be humorous, but uh, mm -hmm. in a quite a humble and specific way. So we, we don't want to push it, um, uh, yeah, to, to push it really hard or to make uh, um, a very witty joke, which mm -hmm. may be, Uh, is only understood in some markets, uh, so we try okay. um, really to be quite uh, quite neutral, but th at the same time to have what we call this twinkle in the eye. So like uh, a kind of a very light humor, very kind of positive. So I think that was also partly uh, represented by this example of uh, using a Swedish accent, but then in German. So um, it's also part of this representing our roots. And being recognized as a Swedish brand, uh, even if we are present in other markets. And of course, maybe Germany could be, in, since it's quite close to Sweden. And exactly. From Germany, go to Sweden for vacation, for example. So they could, th there it could really work or it could really kind of hit the, the target group, so to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I would say this is, yeah, this is also one of the good examples how we. Uh, how we share our identity. That's super interesting, really interesting. And mm. um, to go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, how does IKEA's translation team approach engaging with the international audiences to ensure a consistent brand image across the globe? You know, like what we were saying, how do you keep it really consistent for all countries? Can you maybe share an example of a, of a challenge that the team faced when trying to main, maintain this consistent brand image uh, across all different language, languages and cultures? Sorry. And on the contrary, how do you ensure that, the, um, as you just said earlier, that the content actually hits, you know, that the content, the campaigns that IKEA produces are also culturally and locally relevant? Yeah, um, the, there is, of course, quite some process behind um, the campaigns and um, we have um, a setup. So I would say we are not um, maybe steering as much. If I compare also when I talk to other companies, how they work with their campaigns and marketing, I think IKEA is not 
maybe steering so much globally, but it's always a combination of um, some global kind of um, messages or guidelines around uh, certain, for example, business priorities, which are shared to all the markets. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the markets are uh, playing quite crucial role in ensuring that uh, by taking those guidelines, by taking those um, maybe there are some assets that are provided to them and then or maybe there is even a kind of a co-creation of those assets together by global functions together with the market and then creating those campaigns uh, also using their local agencies and specialists uh, like marketing specialists. So there is always, I, I find at IKEA, there is always this kind of uh, collaboration effort um, mm-hmm. and a lot of responsibility actually is on the local markets. And as I mentioned in my intro, we have this uh, localization network, localization specialist network, which is then uh, in each country or market, there is one or maybe it's a couple of people who are representing the language, uh, representing the localization process, okay. responsible for the tone of voice. Um, so they uh, that network is quite is playing quite a crucial role also in ensuring that, okay, if we would uh, launch a new product line or we would like to communicate around a certain holiday season, um, how do we then ensure that uh, this is also inclusive? And it's um, it's at the same time by being global, but uh, kind of connecting to the markets and representing them. Yeah. And of course, it's uh, it's challenging. As I said, uh, you, you also heard that uh, the range of the markets or the continents that we are present in, uh, it, it varies a lot. And maybe yeah. something that works quite well for UK or for the Western Europe is not really suitable for Japan, for example. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Or uh, it's not really... And the same when uh, when we talk uh, language in uh, Middle East countries or, for example, in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there are some challenges that we, I think, face when um, also by this being inclusive yeah. and uh, how do different markets interpret that and what works for them maybe uh, for their target groups, but uh, at the same time keeping with our overall uh, kind of direction of being an inclusive brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are the challenges that we that we face quite uh, probably quite often, um, but with the help of this collaboration together with the markets, involving them also early, I think we managed to to create these good uh, good campaigns or good examples that actually mm-hmm. uh, fit uh, fit the purpose. It's basically a very, very smart mix of trusting and giving enough freedom to your local teams and mm-hmm. and sharing in an efficient way those you know values or global guidelines that need to yeah. be applied to everyone. But of course, I guess you know every market is going to be different, and you can yeah, it's it's really interesting. I think I would like to talk a little bit about technology now, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. Um, IKEA has always been very technology oriented and not afraid to play around with it. Um, so almost 10 years ago, when augmented reality belonged to a very, very distant future uh, for most of us, IKEA came up with the app feature allowing its customers to see their room space with the selected uh, furniture in it to see if the size was right. Um, was it a straightforward decision for IKEA to embark on this state-of-the-art technology journey? Was it clear that you had to go this way? 
Yeah, that's a very current question, I must say. And as as you mentioned, Marine, it's uh, be, uh, it has been there for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So when we launched this uh, IKEA Space app, there were different versions, of course, and uh, the current one uh, is the most, uh, yeah, um, incorporating recent developments, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, but it, it's been quite, um, I, I would say it's been a creative uh, journey and um, it's been quite a breakthrough, I would say, for IKEA. Because if we talk about technology in general, yes, we um, at IKEA, we try to be, of course, aligned with the new trends and um, whatever is being developed launched, on the market, yeah, yeah. Um, launched, um, but at the same time, we, I would say, we're more cautious. So we mm-hmm. we are trying to test a lot uh, first, uh, to try out different things, to evaluate, uh, to see what the, exactly the benefits are. So um, I would say, yeah, we, we are not maybe the first ones to jump into something. Uh, mm-hmm. That might be the kind of impression, but at the same time, with this uh, particular product, uh, it it has been quite uh, a breakthrough and a very interesting creative journey with uh, different kind of, uh, again, uh, innovation teams involved, um, how we can make it happen. It's, it, it's been quite, yeah, also painful, uh, I would say, at some points, but uh, eventually, course. I think, um, where we are now and that we can also share this uh, example, especially nowadays when we talk a lot about the artificial exactly. intelligence yeah. and how it can, uh, well, do basically anything <laughs> that you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's uh, also uh, already one of the examples where you can, uh, without leaving your home, you can actually see, okay, how does this piece of furniture fit into my room? Does it uh, fit at all? Or um, can I exchange it with something else? It's it, it's actually mm. pretty cool, I must say. I tried it also myself it's amazing. a few times. I also did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A really, a really fascinating. It's also a nice example, like a nice uh, lesson, you know, because you said that, yeah, sometimes it was painful and, and there were some fails, but at the end of the day, if you don't try, you will never know. So it's you know, uh, like it's easy to be scared by it, I guess, because we don't know about it, but it's important to try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And But maybe it works really well. And then you end up with a, a really nice function or product or a nice development at the end of the day. So yeah, that's a nice lesson. I like, I like it. <laughs> um, if you had to give one piece of advice for any business looking to go global or enter new markets they don't particularly know, what would it be if you had one piece of advice? Yes, um, I think it's really uh, important to uh, to start early. So if you think if you're a company uh, that wants to enter um, markets internationally, so you go uh, to a certain, you decide to develop in a certain market, I think it's really early on that uh, you need to understand what are their challenges and uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to culture nuances when it comes to language and it can be different scale of things so it could be as i mentioned something related to culture specific so really more on maybe kind of high level um what uh, what is very uh, specific to to a certain culture what uh, what are the do's and don'ts let's say so from that up to um, what what are the specifics of a language, um, mm-hmm. even on the technical side, down to the details, because of course you want to you want to be relevant for that market. So you really want to understand also 
your target audiences, what are the users, what are the customers uh, like in that market. Uh, so I would say like really do it quite early on and uh, not forget about that stage before you maybe go into developing something. Um, so really be prepared for that. And it's better to spend that time on the preparation because it will be easier later on when you start developing your product, uh, for example, or launching something, a campaign or, uh, yeah, depending on what you do. But um, that's uh, that would be my uh, my advice, I would say. Making a lot of research before you yeah. actually go all in. All right. And finally, <laughs> we, waited, we waited until the end for the yeah. most important question. But would you be willing to tell us a bit more about the recipe of your famous meatballs? I think everyone wants to know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Meatballs are world famous. Um, they are. But of course, the <laughs> recipe, I must say, it's even, um, even a secret to me. I... Uh, I would suggest <laughs> the best way is to go to your nearest IKEA store and try them out if you haven't. And my personal recommendation actually would be um, if you have it in your uh, in in your store, your closest store, wherever yeah. you are, is to try the plant bowls. Um, so it Very is nice. an, an alternative to the classic meatballs, mm -hmm. and it's not the veggie bowls, but it's really uh, a, a plant bowl is made uh, out of um, yeah different like vegetarian ingredients. But to my personal taste, it actually tastes even better than uh, meatballs. But at the same time, you might not even recognize that it's not meat. Okay. Um, so Yeah, that would be my uh, piece of uh, advice. <laughs> If you are uh, um, passing by an IKEA store, you're going there on purpose, try them out. Well, I'm definitely going. You at least, <laughs> you can be sure that I will go because I know the meatballs, but I'm also trying to, you know, reduce meat uh, consumption. Mm -hmm. So I will definitely go. Thank you for your for your advice. And uh, thank you so much, really, for, you know, taking the time to talk to me um, about about your role, about what you do and uh, about sharing all those uh, really nice anecdotes. Uh, I really had fun. Uh, talking with you today and uh, yeah thank you for that Anna and hopefully talk to you soon yes thank you very much Marine it's been a pleasure uh, really great questions challenging questions but hopefully <laughs> uh, also to the audience hopefully you enjoy the the talk and uh, yeah thank you for inviting me and hopefully yeah see you see you around somewhere exactly thank you. <laughs> thank you everyone for listening to the podcast and uh, we'll say see you next month bye bye Bye.